Welcome to Jumping Around, a steeplechase podcast from thisishorseracing.com. I'm Joe Clancy, and we'll bring you some conversations with guests who take part in American steeplechasing. There'll be owners, trainers, jockeys, race meet directors, historians, anyone we can convince to sit down for a few minutes and talk jump racing. While not necessarily new, the momentum for this podcast came from Charlie Fenwick Jr. He's a former trainer, former amateur rider, and chairman of the Shawan Downs Races in Maryland. He listens to podcasts about racing, sports, politics, anything else that comes along. There's even a podcast about squash, he says. The game, not the vegetable. Steeplechasing could use a podcast, he told me. I agree, and we'll see where it all goes, and bring you the interviews and stories that celebrate the horses and people and places in the sport. You can read more at thisishorseracing.com, our online home, and the successor to our newspaper, Steeplechase Times, was published from 1994 through 2012. Our guest for this edition, and our first official guest on the show, was Tony McKnight, chairman of the My Ladies Manor Races. Run for the 107th time this year, the Manor helps kick off spring every year in Hartford County, Maryland, and it's the first of the state's big three timber meets. This year's Manor runs Saturday, April 15th, and will be followed by the Grand National April 22nd and the Maryland Hunt Cup April 29th. Turney is a former amateur rider, owner, and trainer, and he won the Manor four times as a rider and took over the chairmanship in 1978, the year the race meeting moved to its current home on the grounds of the Elkridge Harford Hunt Club in Moncton. And after 40 years, he's retiring as the chairman. He's got a long history in racing and steeplechasing, and we'll learn a little bit more about how he got here. Thanks for joining us, Turney, and uh, welcome to the show. You're our first official guest. My pleasure, Joe. <laughs> so, uh, from the, I mean, we, we know, people will know your name because they see race programs and things, but uh, you've been a part of steeplechasing for the better part of 50 years. Uh, did you see yourself doing this, and you know what, what attracted you to it first? Was it riding horses, I'm guessing? Well, put it this way, Joe, when I was 9 or 10 years old, growing up in northern Virginia, there was a 8 by 10 or other 2 foot by 3 foot black and white photograph in the wall of my bedroom, which had two steeplechase jockeys, Patty Fenwick, um, Patty um, Smithwick and Tommy Walsh over a hurdle at Monmouth Park. And on uh, my bedside table was a copy of Jack Russell's History of the Maryland Hunt Cup. And I'm not <laughs> sure how either the photograph or the book got there, but um, that was the beginning of it. Oh, that's great. Uh, yeah, so you, that, that to you, they were the sports stars as kids hang up uh, you know, a Cal Ripken or somebody else on their wall today. That's correct. Yeah, that's great. The, again, you mentioned uh, growing up, and your mother was an owner and a breeder, and uh, your grandfather, John Haynes, was certainly a big name in racing, was, oversaw the construction of Aqueduct even. So we go back a long ways. Is that the start of it? I mean, was racing and horses part of your life? Yeah, my mom used to take me around to the races and to Mikey Smithwick's farm in Hydes, Maryland. And I guess uh, total hero worship with Patty. He let me carry his tack bag at the races and about the same time, my mom started, uh, I started noticing that I wasn't getting served any dessert at supper time, and I think she had in mind that maybe my future would be a, a jockey, and I, I guess that's what I hope, too. Do you remember the first racehorse you rode? I remember, I don't remember the first racehorse I rode. I remember the first good racehorse I rode, and his name was Dreyfus, and he was virtually unbeatable in the uh, owner-rider timber races in Virginia. And I'm sure the fox hunting and that type of riding was what kindled the steeplechase interest as well. I, you know, that's where most people sort of get the feel for it. When I was when I was small, I my mom took me fox hunting at, with Middleburg, and uh, but I I really didn't fox hunt all that much until um, I got finished with school. And and Dreyfus, that his first races would have been point to points and things, and where were they? They were Virginia point to points. Okay. 
And uh, what, um, again, that circuit's still going. Were they some of the familiar places that people go still today? Um, some of the best are gone now, like Casanova but and Blue Ridge was a, a great favorite. Warrington, of course, of course, is different now, but yeah. And um, your connection to the manor, obviously, as the race chairman, and it goes back to to '78. But before that, you were a rider in the race and 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 won the race with um, I've got Keelboat '73 and '75, and uh, Matt Lowe in '77, and Imperfect Cast in '78, the first year at the new course. Uh, re-ride those a little bit. What was uh, what were Keelboat's races like? Well, Keelboat was one of my uh, transformational, I guess you could call him, um, horses. Coming from Northern Virginia, settling in Maryland after law school, it was a pretty much a different steeplechasing ethos. I mean, the fences were bigger, the riders were different. Um, and Keelboat, I, I remember distinctly as, distinctly as I'm sitting here, the moment in my first My Lady's Manor when I passed either Charlie Fenwick or his brother, I don't remember which, but they were already uh, legendary names in Maryland timber racing. I, I passed one of those with about a mile to go, and I said to myself, you can do this. <laughs> maybe, maybe this is going to work. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, again, since he's the first one we're talking about, what kind of horse was he like? I mean, he, he, was he easy to ride? Was he a, a handful? How, how did it work in the Maryland timber for him? Keelboat, I also won a, a, a hurdle race on him at Delaware Park, which wow. is also something that not every amateur gets the thrill of doing. And, and, and he was an easy horse to ride and a very generous horse and, you know, great horse. Yeah, that's the kind it takes, really. So then uh, we'll, we'll skip ahead. We'll go uh, another couple years down the road. Matlow manages to win the Manor, too. And, and again, a lot of people don't realize the, the older course. What was that compared to today's course? What was that course like? The old course was, I think, just as much fun. I think all the riders loved it. Um, it's just a shame, really, that um, when part of it had to be developed, um, we had to move, have to find a new home. And, and I think the new race courses worked out pretty well, too. Yeah, and you, so you won the race the first year you were the chairman, if I'm doing my math right, with Perfect Cast? I did. And uh, Perfect Cast is another, another favorite of mine. She was really the first wonderful jumper. I mean, I had no idea that horses could jump that accurately. Um, and again, I remember distinctly, we'd built this course and we built a water jump, which was quite formidable looking. And we really weren't certain that it was possible to get over it. <laughs> uh, and so I happened to be in the lead when we got to the water jump and landed safely on the other side. And it was like, <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a great idea now. Come on. <laughs> uh, and and she obviously came around at a, at a at a she was very talented. She came around at a little bit of a tricky time for her running against Ben Nevis and some very good horses. How good a timber horse was she? I mean, and and her her efforts in the Maryland Hunt Cup were as good as anybody. Oh, she's a wonderful timber horse, and she should have won two Maryland Hunt Cups. Really, she just happened to uh, find an opponent like Hall of Fame horse Ben Nevis. Uh, where did she come from? Where, where, what's her origin? Did you guys find her at the racetrack or something? She belonged like that? to Audrey Riker, who um, I think Audrey was training her. Maybe Mikey was at the time. Um, and Audrey had bred her, and her, her dam had um, also raced in Maryland. Oh, yeah, Golden Fly, right? So, yeah, which again, historians will go back and know that kind of stuff. And, and you don't see many mares running over timber now, uh, and it certainly would have been news then, too, really. 
uh, at their best, they're just as good as the boys. Yeah. Oh, she she certainly was. I mean, I, that was uh, I, I was I would have been twelve, thirteen years old watching her, and and I remember it. I remember it very much. Um, so back up a little bit. The creation of the new course in '78, and obviously you did plenty of work leading up to it. Was that field? Did you look at that field and say, "Hey, a race course can be here," or did it sort of develop over time? Uh, we had to do it pretty fast, um, but the field had been a. It's one of the wonderful things about that field. It's just an, an ancient field. You can see old roads etched into the grass. It has never been plowed, to my knowledge. Uh, Long, long ago, when Mike Smithwick was training at the Hunt Club, he and Patty used to um, gallop their horses there. Um, and we we had to be, it was hard to to find three miles where there were no rocks. Uh, we had to, um, we had to find our way across two streams. One of them was a, we built a water jump, and the other we had to make um, culverts uh, and get across it that way. But um, I think it's, it's a fairly... It's been called a rider's course. I think most jockeys enjoy it there, and and uh, I think it's good for horses. It's a it's a it's a, a little bit short, three miles. Uh, it sets them up very well for the important races later on, and uh, and so it's it's been pretty well received. Yeah, I mean that's where its niche is. You can see people use it over over the years as a prep for you know either a a, a young horse on his way to the Hunt Cup or Gold Cup or bigger races coming along, or as a, just a straight up prep for some of the best horses headed to either place too. And um, when you're there, you get a sense. I, I'm not sure I knew that much about the old course, but when you're at that course, you get a sense of the history of it, and and th- then like you said, that it's been there that long and. I, I think, do you think spectators appreciate that? I mean, I think I, I love going there and seeing the same people every year, you know, who who wouldn't miss a manor races. And, and how important is that to the legacy of the race meet? Uh, I, I think the same people go every year, and hopefully uh, we've been able to attract quite a few new people as well. Yeah, it's... Um it's certainly one of the only race courses we have that turns right and left and goes uphill and downhill. But 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 like you said, I think it's a, I think to a rider, it's probably an entertaining course to ride. And the horses go right through the crowd basically three times, and you can you can reach out and touch them. I mean, I, I think the people like that intimacy. Sure. Yeah, that's a big part of it. Yeah. Um, you have a special. You have a a favorite manner that you've watched there uh, uh, obviously perfect cast is gonna be one you wrote in but uh, um, over the years some of the better performances you've seen at the manor now my favorite uh, manners have been the ones that I won <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty obvious <laughs> ask a dumb question get <laughs> getting I think it's fun to see some of the horses you see horses develop there in you know and 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 kind of make their first stakes start sometimes over timber or sort of work their way up to things. And We've tried, you know, we have a maiden race. It's there. The fences are pretty big for maidens, but we, first of all, every fence is, is very fairly presented to the horse. There's no fences on turns. The um, Many of them are slight uphill gradient, which is a little easier to jump. And over the years, if we've had too many falls at one fence, we've we've moved the ground line out from it, and uh, it really helps. We don't want we, we like it to be a place that attracts young horses, yeah, and young riders. Sure. 
The favorite tradition I try to, whenever I take him over there the first time, I have to explain to them that you watch the manor on the move. You have to be able to be able, you're moving as well as the horses as you swing from one side of the course to the other to get the best view. They don't always understand it. Afterwards, they get it. But uh, again, I think that's part of the charm, which is uh, what appeals to people. Well, when you when you start talking about uh, the appeal and the crowd, um, really, uh, when I started, it was uh, two or three races. Um, Heather Wilhelm at Ledoux Gardens um, started helping me, um, and she's not a horse person. She's an event person, and she evolved that from a race to an event with um, band, jumbotron, party tents with video monitors, and uh, I think that that horse racing in general is finding out that people um, go, they like to go to an event. They don't, or a lot of them don't just want to see the horses. So uh, it's an entertaining afternoon, and people feel good about it. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, it, it's, it's been 40 years of you as the chairman. Did you see that? You know, obviously, maybe nobody sets that out as a goal, but did you see that something you would do over time? I really didn't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you, but to your credit, it, it happened. I mean, uh, you know, we, we were talking before about the purses. I mean, the, the prize money involved has, has it was $3,000 for the entire day 40 years ago. It'll be $75,000 if I'm doing my math right this year, which, again, is a tribute to the success of the, of the race meet. And you mentioned Ledoux, Ledoux Gardens has, has been the beneficiary for the race meet. And, and For most of those 40 years, they've been the administrative arm and the charitable beneficiary, yes. Yeah, which steeplechasing does that in, in, in most cases which, which, with its race meets, which to me adds, adds one more level to it. You don't necessarily have to know the horses to appreciate going you know, or find a reason to go. And, and the manners, to me, it's the perfect... It's the beginning of spring. It's uh, it's a great cause, and and the race course is special, and the horses that show up are special. Well, racing in general, it's the same. I mean, Sar- Saratoga is so popular because you know it's more than just racing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and you've created a, a you, again. We we mentioned that it might be the only course with right and left turns. It might also be the only one with bluegrass music between races, which again is part of, part of the fun for people. What um what if somebody's never been? What do they need to know? So say they're coming to their first manor races. Bring a four-wheel drive vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen some tractors there to help the two-wheel drives out every now and then. <laughs> and it never rains. Come on. I, that part where you mentioned running through the crowd and the tailgate spaces and things, I would imagine people request the same tailgate spot and things like that every year after year after year. They do. There's a waiting list for almost all of the uh, tailgate spots, the uh, rail spots, the tent spots. That's, a pheno- that's phenomenal, really. And, and uh, again, nobody sees this. 40 years ago. I mean, I, I would assume you took this job. You were probably the last guy to raise your hand, so they gave you the job. And uh, to your credit, it's turned into this uh, this event that people look forward to. It's not just, I think, timber racing in general is is seeing a resurgence. Um, 30 years ago, you might have said that this is a, you know, a backward-looking anachronism. But now uh, uh, there's more and more young riders that, that want to ride timber horses, and, and it's really the riders are what bring the horses along, I think. Um, so, yeah, I think there's hope for the future. Well, what do you think that is? What, why does it appeal to people? Uh, one reason is the, is the fact that anybody now can, um, can watch just magnificent racing broadcasts from England any day of the week and see the, get to know the jockeys, hear the intelligent commentary, really uh, learn about steeplechasing. 
Yeah, exactly. It's come a long way. You were hanging black and white pictures on the wall. Now people are watching watching live video from England. Correct. <laughs> Would have made a big difference. Um, and uh, you're retiring as the race chairman. What are you going to do with your time now? Spend more time fishing. Oh, I like it. <laughs> what are you going to miss about the job? Not too much, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to miss the day, the hour after the last race, maybe. I tell you, it's a tremendous amount of responsibility. You have these 1,200-pound uh, animals galloping around at 25 and 30 miles an hour. The uh, potential for mayhem is extraordinary, and, and really the race chairman's job is to uh, try to minimize the risk, and uh, when something does happen, uh, uh, mitigate the the. Uh, the damage, it's its only fun in the sense that hitting yourself from the side of the head is fun when you quit. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> and like a lot of people in steeplechasing, it's a, it has to be, people call it a labor of love. To, but, but it kind of has to be or else you, you wouldn't do it. I mean, it, it, you have to have that sort of either history in the game or love of the game and love of the animal to pull off something like that. You're right. Um, you uh, you mentioned the Smithwicks. Uh, do, do you have a do you, do you have a riding mentor or a steeplechase mentor that helped you get into this? Vincent O'Brien's younger brother, Fonzie O'Brien, in Ireland was. Uh, I, I lived with him for a year, and I visit visited his yard uh, many many times on summer and uh, Christmas vacations. And uh, having learned from his brother Vincent, um, he was just a terrific teacher, and he basically taught me an awful lot about riding and an awful lot about training. Wow, well, that, that's that's interesting. I mean, and obviously that English Irish steeplechase world is uh, is even older and more historic than ours. And 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 yeah, you would just being there, you would soak up the knowledge and experience. I'm sure. And Vincent and his brother Fonzie, they had a gift for breaking it down into manageable parts. And did you ride races over there? A lot, yeah. Wow, what was that like? How different from American? The biggest difference is that, that it just becomes part of life. There's not a lot of anxiety. Uh, you know, if you're only riding one day a week, you think about it the other six. Here, you, there, there, you might ride two or three days a week. Everybody rides every day, and, you know, it's just part of life. Oh, that's great. Yeah, it's part of the world for sure. Well, uh, we've uh, we've used up a better part of 15 better part of 15 minutes uh, talking about this and I think uh, again it's fascinating behind people go to the races and they don't necessarily see the work behind it and you know maybe they understand that the horses have to train but they don't necessarily understand the work that goes into the race meets and uh, and uh, the the behind the scenes things that pulls it off and, and as chairman of the race meet I mean fair, fair play to you and uh, hopefully we'll uh, see play I couldn't encourage people enough to come out to the manor it's a great uh, great day of racing great way to kick off your spring and a great way to experience steeplechasing Tony thanks for your time and uh, we'll see you back here some other time thank you Joe I enjoyed talking to you that's it for this edition of Jumping Around. To subscribe to this podcast and learn a bit more about what we do, check out thisishorseracing.com. We'll see you at the races. Jumping Around is brought to you by thisishorseracing.com, an online source for original content about thoroughbred racing from the Steeplechase Circuit, Saratoga Racecourse, Fair Hill, and any place else horses race. Special thanks to Charlie Fenwick Jr., WYPR Radio in Baltimore, and General Manager Tony Brandon. Jumping Around is produced by Bob White at WIPR in Baltimore. Thanks for tuning in.